Hello and welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast. This is episode 208, Courageous Pastors, the West Coast. Is it the best coast? Yes. Today, we're going to determine it on the tournament of... No, just kidding. Uh, Guys, welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast, where we talk about how the gospel is good news for everyone, every day. We're coming at you from the lovely WCSG radio studio in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and I'm your host, Lori Krieg, and I have alongside me my husband and favorite licensed therapist and... Judge, just kidding, Matt Creek. <laughs> I want this to be a food competition. A food now. competition, yes. We're on the chopping block. It's good to be here. Glad you're here, and we have with us our friend and the most professional radio voice among us, producer Steve. Hi guys. Whose palate is impeccable? Uh, sure. <laughs> no, since COVID, not so much. Oh, that's true. Do you no. still not have your taste? No, back? I don't. But it's okay. All right. You're like, please don't ask more questions. It's <laughs> just it. ongoingly sad. Guys, today we are continuing our three-part mini-series focused on equipping pastors and church leaders to take the courageous step from conceptualization of doing a sermon or series on human sexuality to actualization. What's it take to go from concept to execution? And I mentioned this last time, I'm going to mention it again. If the 2019 Barna study uh, is true that three of the top four things that pastors feel both pressured to speak about and compelled to speak about are related to human sexuality, how do they do it then? <laughs> so today, uh, we are going to have someone from the West Coast not to do a food cooking competition, although... I'm, I don't know. I feel like everyone on the West Coast has to be good at cooking food. It is good. Uh, but my friend, Tom Kang. Tom, welcome. Whoa, it's so good to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. Are you, are you a great cook? I mean, should we add that to the bio real quick? I am a great eater, okay? Oh, I'm not okay. a great cook, but Amen. I am a great eater. Yes, yes. same. Yeah. Same thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, to uh, help us get to know Tom a little better, uh, born and raised in New Jersey, Tom served as the teaching pastor at Liquid Church there. He then moved across the country with four women to naturally <laughs> become the men's pastor at Saddleback Church in California. Naturally. Yeah, of course. Yeah, uh, now Tom provides point leadership in downtown Los Angeles at New Story Church. Oh, yeah. That is, that is pretty awesome. Yeah. But we want to get to know Tom a little bit better, as well as some of our listeners. Yeah, yeah. And so we're going to start with the question of the week from last time, which is, Tom, what is the chore that you always or maybe often do that your spouse or roommate or whoever you live with never does? Or to put it another way, what is a thing that's visible to you but invisible to everyone else? Mm. Good question. Uh, I am the exterminator uh, of the oh, household. Okay. Yeah. So um, uh, one of the best purchases under fifty dollars uh, was a. I need to say this like I need to pronounce this very clearly. A salt rifle. <laughs> so a, a plastic those. gun that you put salt in. And basically, you shoot flies, you shoot spiders. You, you know, kind of made it a yeah. game. So hmm. I'm yeah. I'm that guy. Uh, so one of the best purchases uh, we've ever made under fifty dollars. So oh, and I'm also a drain unclogger. Yeah. So like yeah, yeah, the four women. Let's just uh, you know, just uh, just so that we're all clear here. Uh, I have three daughters and one wife. So that's the four <laughs> women. A um, lot of hair, a lot of long hair uh, in in like the drains. And so um, mm-hmm. uh, the best purchase under $10 was a uh, drain like unclogger thing that you like. Yeah. It's It oh. was like seven bucks on Amazon. Best thing ever because like, hello, you call the plumber. That's a hundred bucks right there. So Right. 
Send that link this way for Matt. I think Steve is yeah. also. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's, the, it, it is li- it's like literally $7 and it's like the best thing ever. Okay. Well, I may just link those things in the show notes because <laughs> everyone, everybody's sold on the A yeah. space salt space right, rifle. Right, right. Yes. And the drain declogger. Salt rifle. You got to say that so carefully. A salt rifle, that. not an yeah. assault rifle. There, yes. Yes. No, no, yes. No, 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 not here. Rifle, salt. <laughs> I die salt. Uh, all right well i appreciate it we have had my australian friend uh sam juan staying with us over the last few days and so i was like hey sam you're a listener can you answer this question and so here's his answer to what's visible to him hey laurie and matt this is sam from australia love your show uh well i actually love uh, chores. So I do all the chores in my place. So I do the mopping, I do the cleaning, I do the vacuuming, I do everything. And it gives me such joy on my days off. Look at this guy. Wow. Where, where can we get like a, an army of Sam's to come into everyone's yeah. household and do all the chores? He does all the chores and he, does, and he enjoys Maybe it. Maybe he should write off. a book, The Joy of Chores. There you go. I know. I'll give it to our kids. Anyway, yeah. Matt, whose answer did you appreciate? Yeah, I really liked what Sarah had to say on Facebook. She said she does the bathrooms. He does the garbage because she can't touch food, waste, too, too much ew. But then she went on to add... She also never cleans the drains, so yeah. we I, that that was what called out to me. Yeah. So she you need handles, a drain unclogger. Yeah. yeah. We, we need that seven dollar Amazon <laughs> item. Mm-hmm. He's getting his uh, commission. He commissions. He's yeah. His, <laughs> see my link in bio. Put Tom Kang <laughs> slash Tom Kang. coupon code. You yeah. get free prime shipping. <laughs> Steve, what about you? Well, I just appreciated this uh, short message on Facebook from Raquel said the dishes in all caps caps. and we don't have a dishwasher oh girl i appreciate raquel that's like my wife yeah Uh, she is the dish doer i am also the drain cleaner um and exterminator yeah i i gotta get that i gotta get that done yes assault assault rifles for everyone that's right hey assault rifles for everyone that's that's a different podcast that's not here I like all the male camaraderie. I'm just, I'm just feeling it. Okay, okay. I also, I also just need to put a little apology because I feel like I did spark several fights on our Facebook uh, podcast page. Uh, not super intense, but I'm like, I think I have a little, a couple regrets for this question of the week. So sorry, guys. Anyway, let's pivot to uh, the reason we do this is. Yeah, get to know each other. That's good. Uh, But also to talk about the gospel, uh, which I just want to go on a tangent now about how the gospel includes joking things. But anyway, if the gospel (laughs) is we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe, and yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope, how was that gospel first good news for you, Tom, and how is it still? Mm. Oh, great question. Um. Gosh, that's a Tim Keller quote, right? Yeah, I, yeah, I, we I, just, I, it's yeah, quotes no, in quotes in the script, but yeah. I love it. I love it. No, I I, I love it. Um, well, you know, I'm someone that was like 
born in church, right? Like I've been going to church in my mother's womb kind of a thing. (laughs) Um, Like we were the family that had like a family service on Sunday morning in the house. Oh, like where my dad would preach. He was like an elder kind of whatever. And, um, and then we would go to church. Right. So like, I hated church. <laughs> like, it's like we do church too much, you know, yeah. like Wednesday, like midweek services, you know, Saturday morning prayer meetings, like all the, oh, like wow. the whole thing. And um, so like, I heard the gospel at an early age, um, you know, uh, certainly, you know, grammar school, elementary, junior high, high school. But I don't think it really took, I don't think it really became good news for me um, until I got out of that environment and I was in college. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, you start making decisions of your own and you start doing things your own way, uh, sort of a thing. And it was really like my sophomore year where I always kind of knew Jesus gave his life for me, but it became um, really evident how like I need to give my life to Christ. I need to put my faith in him. I I need to follow him. Mm -hmm. And um, gosh, you know, like the gospel is something I need every day right like how how is the gospel good news to me still today like gosh i'm almost 50 years old and i'm just now i feel like starting to realize maybe in the last five years or so that that i get to live and work and serve and minister from god's love and not for it right and so like most of my life i've been trying to live for God's love, trying to live for his acceptance, trying to live for his approval. And the gospel is like, no, bro, like you already have those things and you get to live from them. And so, yes. yeah, that's, that's how it is for me. Yeah. Uh, so uh, with that in mind, uh, like how did you know that you needed and it was time maybe to, to give a sermon or a, a series on the LGBTQ conversation? Oh, gosh. I mean, here's the reality, right? Like, everyone was having this conversation anyways, uh, in the lunchrooms, uh, in the locker rooms, uh, in in the car rides to school. uh, Like, you know, this conversation was happening everywhere with everyone all the time, except church. (laughs) So it's kind of like, oh, okay. What's that about? What's going on there? And, uh, you know, like, I think, what what is it, Andy Stanley, who talks about how, like, the church should be, like, the safest place uh, for any conversation. I remember when I first heard that, like, a few years ago, I was just like, that is so true, but that's so not going on. Right. (laughs) Right. At least in any church I've been a part of, um, or most churches I've been a part of. And so... uh, you know, it's just kind of realizing th- those things and, and kind of dealing with those those tensions that it was just like, okay, well, enough's enough. Let's let's have this conversation. And oh, by the way, it helps when you have, you know, when you're raising three teenage girls yeah. <laughs> who've got these questions anyway, who are having these conversations anyway. And it's like, all right, let's. It's probably it's probably time that they they heard from scripture. Um, they probably have friends. They probably uh, know people that that have never heard kind of a, a biblical biblical perspective of things so Hmm. what what was the kind of the cultural context surrounding this conversation for you obviously san francisco being maybe known as a more liberal city um Hmm. but then also having this this kind of window 
with your three daughters who are teenagers, kind of even to, to how people are talking about it in, in kind of the younger generations and everything. Like yeah. what, what was the surrounding context you were working through as you prepared? Yeah. Um, well, first we're, we're in Los Angeles, downtown LA, uh, but very similar to San Francisco, still the wild, wild West. Right. <laughs> and, um, you know, it, it is a, a more kind of liberal environment, uh, so to speak. But I would say, you know, like more than like a West Coast thing or like an L.A. vibe, I would say the 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 kind of environment surrounding like our church was that mm, our our church is a really good mix of both over and underchurched people, hmm. right? So, like, we have people that, like me, have been born and raised in the church, been going to church their whole lives, been going to this church their whole lives. Uh, but we also have, like, a good portion. And when I say good portion, I want to say, like, close to 50%. Hmm. Like, 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 certainly greater than 25%. Somewhere, somewhere hovering somewhere between 25-50% of our church are people that have just started coming to church um, within the last, like, I want to say like two, three years. Um, so like really under church. So I think uh, that would be a, you know, more than any kind of regional vibe, that would be the kind of cultural vibe, at least, you know, for, for New Story Church, is this mix of under church and over church. Hmm. How did that factor into your merging so you're like i feel this pressure everybody's talking about it and then our specific outside of the church makeup and inside of it is unchurched de-churched etc how did those two merge how did that how did that uh affect your prep yeah um it forces you to be a better preacher <laughs> right okay. like it, yeah. it forces you it really forces you, not saying that I am a better preacher, but right. it forces you to be a better one because you can't, to be completely honest, you can't be sloppy. Like no. you're not going to be able to just riff off these kind of biblical platitudes and and have that jive with people that are like are totally unchurched, right? right. And you're not going to be able to, I don't know, for lack of a better word, like placate to a, a unchurched you know, vocabulary and culture and, and try to like woo them in and have that jive with the overchurch, right? So like, you're going to have to find this third way, this mm. this kind of radical third way, right? The way of Christ, so to mm -hmm. speak, um, that's going to be able to, uh, first of all, um, realize that you're going to offend somebody. Like not everyone is going to walk away from what you have to say uh, happy-go-lucky and everybody, you know, kumbaya, my lord, kind of a thing. Right. Um, like, everyone's going to get offended <laughs> in some way. Or, <laughs> if you're doing I, it right? I, I think so, right? I think so. And here's the thing, though. I think you as the speaker and the communicator need to come to terms with that, right? Mm -hmm. Like, hey, you're going to offend everyone. Everyone's going to walk away somehow offended. You're not going to be conservative enough you're not going to be liberal enough you're not going to be biblical enough you're gonna not going to be contextual enough like whatever right like that somebody's gonna have a great so you need to come to terms with that and like for me when i'm in those spots i just call it out 
So like in the first, like, I think it was a five, we, our, our series, the gospel and sexuality, I think that series was five weeks. Was it four or five weeks? It might've been even six. Uh, no, it was five. It was five weeks. And um, the first message, uh, so I preached the first message and it was really important for me to set that tone and sort of level set expectations. All right. Yeah. And just kind of bear my heart and be like, Hey guys, first of all, this is a series that's been long coming. Um, I apologize for that. Here's why I- I'm dealing with my own stuff, my own insecurities, my own people pleasing this, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Um, I love you guys. I don't want to lose you guys, but I know that some of you are going to be offended, et cetera, et cetera. And just call all those things out. And I feel like the quicker you come to terms personally, and number two, the quicker you can call that out, you know, kind of expectationally for everyone else, for all the listeners, then I think you're say, uh, you know, you're setting yourself up some for some measure of success, for some measure at least of understanding. Hmm. Hmm. I really appreciate that. Uh, just setting the stage right from the get go. Yeah. V- vulnerably and with humility. Mm-hmm. Was there any kind of like, even before the sermons started, like what did it look like preparing? I don't know, like your church leadership, your staff, like what, what did that look like? Oh my gosh. <laughs> so you're going to have to roll up your sleeves. If you do a series like this, mm-hmm. let, let me just tell you right off the bat. So like, like here's, here's a great live example. So like uh, we just started a series last week on Galatians, right? Uh, a biblical study of freedom, right? And because um, like the whole book, right? Six chapters, it's all about freedom, freedom in Christ, freedom from the law, freedom from this, that, and the other. And, um, and it's an expository series and you know, verse by verse. We, we start mm-hmm. with Galatians chapter one, verse one, and we go all the way to the last verse in chapter six. And, you know, every year we, we try to do a couple of these. Right. Um, what is the preparation like for that uh, in terms of prepping my leaders, in terms of like letting the con- zero like, hey, guys, next week we're doing a series on Galatians. You know, like there's no preparatory work. We don't have to let the small group leaders know. I don't have to let my elders know. It's not a big deal to the staff. It's just like, okay, great, Galatians. I've been wanting, you know, I got some questions about that book. It's like everyone's on the same page. No one has a problem with it. You do something like this, you better roll up your sleeves, Mm. okay? You better personally first, like just pray through it. Mm. And then when you can't contain it anymore and you know you have to preach this, then you just start cascading that information. Tell your lead team, your inner circle, so to speak, first, the, the staff, let your elders on board, let them know, hey, guys, we need to really pray about this. This is something God's been burdening on my heart, uh, et cetera, et cetera. You start having conversations like this, and all of a sudden you've got an elder saying to you, oh, my gosh, you know, thank you. Like, I, I've, been, I've, been, I've been wanting to know. Like, you know, I have, I have a son. I have a daughter who's been asking me these questions. I don't know how to have these conversations. Like, thank God we're doing something like this. Or, you know, uh, I have a friend or I have a coworker. I have a neighbor who's, who's struggling with, with this, that, or the other. And so I, I think that just begins to, you know, uh, open the conversation, right? Broaden the scope a little bit. Um, and then, you know, on a practical level, you're talking about, for instance, um, you know, for every single series we have before, like we do the series, 
to prepare, you know, like our creative team, our production team, our, our, our worship band, um, to get the small group leaders involved, to get, you know, um, kind of buy-in and, and prayer support from the elders. I always come up with these creative briefs. It's this one-page document that basically says, okay, what is what is the big win of this next series that's coming up? What are the themes? How is it broken down? Which weeks are we covering? Who's speaking on which weeks? What passages? Here's some resources, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a one-page kind of like, uh, you know, uh, everything's, you know, kind of put on that one page, um, a one-stop shop kind of a thing. Here are the songs that are probably going to be played, et cetera, et cetera. Um, well, don't you know it for, for this particular series, you know, and usually I'll, I'll, uh, you know, pass out that creative brief, you know, you know, honestly, typically it used to be like six months in advance, but, uh, to be honest, I think COVID kind of messed things up. And so they were coming like a couple of weeks before, uh, mm-hmm. the series. So I kind of, uh, got a little, uh, off track there, but for this particular series, it was like months in advance. It was like about, I want to say about three months in advance, uh, three, four, uh, I, I was saying about four months. It was about four months in advance. Um, and we also made a very strategic, uh, deliberate decision to um, launch this series the week after Easter, basically, hmm. uh, because we wanted as many eyes on it as possible. And, you know, wow. what's the most attended Sunday of the year? Well, Easter, everyone knows that. You, you know, you can be a, a non-Christian and you'll go to church on Easter, right? Uh, CEOs, uh, Christian, uh, Christmas, Easter only, right? <laughs> so like, you know, we've got a lot of those in LA, people that only go to church on Christmas and Easter. The CEOs come in Christmas, Easter only. So we knew that Easter was a um, going to be a big draw in and of itself. And that's where we promoted the series and said, hey, we're, we're going to do this. So all that to say, that creative brief went out months before. Um, and you're talking about, you know, from that, in that creative brief, we've got all sorts of resources, books, uh, videos, uh, podcasts um, that address this series and said, hey, uh, as questions come up, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it as staff. Let's talk about it as uh, the session. Let's talk about it um, uh, w- within our people. And so, huh. yeah, I think I think that's that was a very you know deliberate approach of ours. Mm-hmm. So, so you're talking about, A, roll up your sleeves, get ready for some some work. Um, prepare your staff, roll it out in kind of this cascading increments with your core circles and everything, um, and and just be prepared for pushback. When when you look yes. at your your own kind of personal preparation, like your mental preparation, even that that prayer until it's kind of bursting out of you and you can't not preach anymore. Like, what was that like for you personally? Mm. What was the preparation like for me personally? You know, honestly, I I think for me, the preparation was was happening like five, ten years previous, hmm. right? Because like I have friends that are gay, like I I know good and godly Christians believers in the lgbtq community right and so like i'm dialoguing with them i'm having i i I have a friendship a relationship with them and so it's like you know the preparation internally for me personally for me had been it it was the preparation was called life right just just life Mm -hmm. just like 
being a Christian. <laughs> like I, I don't know how else to explain. So like that was happening in the background for five, ten years. It's not like I took on this, you know, this spiritual discipline of okay, now I'm going to study like the twelve clobber passages, you know, in Scripture, you know, that uh, speak against homosexuals. Like like that really wasn't it. I mean, there was some of that, I guess, like in the span of like the five, ten years, but. But most of the preparation and hard work that you're that you're asking about, I mean, that was happening organically um, in just my walk and my conversations and my relationships with people. And it got to the point where it's just like, like, why am I not speaking about this from the pulpit? What? That's all fear. That's yeah. all hmm. fear. Like it, the only reason why I'm not is fear. It's fear of man. It's fear of losing people. It's fear of people not liking me. It's fear of people not liking my church, yeah. right? Which is, that's a whole nother right. podcast episode, right. Right? right? Like, so it's like all this fear stuff. And it's just like, all right, enough, enough. Like, like we're going this way, right? Mm -hmm. And this is, this is just what we got to do. So I don't know, that might be like the worst answer to what was the personal <laughs> preparation or it might be the best, but it's the realest answer I have. Yeah. I, I think, I mean, A, I really appreciate that answer because I feel like it, it really highlights, like, I mean, the, the name of the series is Courageous Pastors. Um, there's a lot of people who might feel courageous that have no relationship and they might go out and speak kind of whatever mm. answers mm. they have, but in a way mm. that is not gracious, that is not mm. actually even biblical. Um, and so, like to hear that that this was a conversation, this was a a a, a topic that touched your life in a very real way. Mm -hmm. I think is really just important for people to hear. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah, and I would I would I would even add to that, um, and I appreciate that, and that's that's so true. Because, and by the way, let's just also call this out. It's not like. Um, it's not like I'm such a great pastor and I realized this and therefore I implemented it. Like I'm learning, I'm tripping up and falling as we go. Like I've mm -hmm. been that guy that pounded the pulpit over whatever topic and like, yeah. you gotta do this. And the Bible says this and thus saith the Lord. Like <laughs> I've been that guy for sure. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but I've also been a pastor now for, you know, full-time pastor now for gosh, over 22 years, 23 years. Wow. And so I've learned a few things over, over that course of time. And that's why when it came to this particular series, um, one of the things that I was like adamant about was, um, hey, unlike any other series, and again, this is stuff that I called out on week one uh, of the series, because um, I said I started week one, but here's the thing that we did is I said, hey, this series is going to be a little different for a number of reasons. One of the main reasons this is going to be a different series is, in every other series that we've done in the past, it's been a monologue. This is going to be a dialogue. Mm. Like this series is going to kind of emulate uh, and resemble um, like, like, like what I think is the best model for us to go further, to, to draw deeper to Christ and, and connect better with one another's. And that's going to be dialogue. And oh, by the way, I don't have the market. I don't have the corner uh, on truth, right? Like I don't, I, I have a, your pastor has a lot to learn here. And I have been learning a lot from my brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm. So I'm actually going to invite some of them into this conversation because like, let's just be like totally real here. 
how much are you going to learn from me? I'm like male, cisgender, heterosexual, who's never faced any of these LGBTQ plus issues. Right. So like, how about we get some folks that have (laughs) like really struggled with some of these issues who love Jesus with, with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, who believe the Bible and like, Let's hear from them. Perhaps we have something to learn from them. Right. Mm. And so like the following four weeks, I invited a guest speaker into the conversation. And oh, by the way, after each of the services, so we have a nine o'clock and 11 o'clock service. So af- after the services for the day, we would have a Q&A with each speaker, again, representing this dialogue uh, model rather than monologue, which is what everyone is used to, some pastor being up there for 30, 40 minutes a week, you know, as just by himself. And, you know, so uh, I love that, it. That, that's something mm-hmm. that we implemented. Yeah. So just to restate, if someone had just jumped in as a listener, uh, first time, first time listener and caller, and they're hearing <laughs> yeah. some of the language, uh, I just need to clarify for first timers. So when Tom is saying, these are my LGBTQ friends, and they're following Jesus. What he means by that is this, God has allowed these friends to experience some sort of wrestling with their gender, some sort of gender dysphoria, Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. experience of dissonance between their biological sex Mm -hmm. and their perceived sense of male, female or something in there. And, and, or God has allowed these friends to uh, experience attractions toward the same sex so that, and this is going to be the drum I'm going to keep beating, (laughs) is so (laughs) that uh, they can experience more intimacy with the Father in these places of weakness, which Mm -hmm. is a gift to us and gives glory to God. And Mm -hmm. so that... Uh, we can be those of us who are uh, God has allowed this in us so that we can be an effective evangelistic witness for such a time as this. So mm. Tom is not saying, I don't have the corner market on truth, whatever. All truth is whatever. Blah, right. blah. No, no, no. He no, holds no, to no, a no, traditional yeah, yeah. view of marriage. Yeah. He believes yeah. biological or alignment with Absolutely. your biological sex. However, mm. God mm. has allowed this in some of us mm. so that he can get the glory through our weakness. Yep. Yep. Amen. Preach it. Yeah. Just yep. say. Thank you. That's great. Great. Great clarification. Yes. <laughs> well, yes. I'm. I'm. Ho- I Amen want, and hallelujah. I want people to hear what you're saying, Tom. So I want to get. Yeah. I want to get the little things that are niggling yes. in their ears uh, out of the way. So just to clarify yeah. too, because this was powerful for me when I interviewed you. I interviewed Tom uh, for a paper I'm writing for the Center for Faith, Sexuality, and Gender. So again, if you're a first time listener, please go to centerforfaith.com uh, and you are going to find some great information as a pastor, mm-hmm. as a lay person. But just for clarity's sake, you told me in that interview that you, uh, it, it was like about, well, how long was it between I need to do this sermon and then doing the sermon series? I mean, no less than five years. No, no less than five. I mean, because again, this has been a this has been a topic of conversation for like a long time, right? Um, and um, gosh, but again, it's it, it was the fear factor that ran up against my kids getting older right. and asking more of those questions and being in environments where those conversations were happening already coupled with i just felt like with every year more gas was being poured on this topic from the culture around us yeah so it's just like okay 
when is enough enough? Like, when are we going to actually roll up our sleeves, get over ourselves, and address this topic mm. that everyone is talking about, right. except the church? <laughs> so, yeah, at least five years, I want to say. At least. So, all right, fast forward. You you do the series. You do the five weeks. Um, like, how would you say, how did it go? What, did you get, like any negative feedback any pushback you know yeah, like yeah. what did it cost yeah. you personally yeah. like is there anything sure. you in hindsight or retrospect to be like ah, maybe i would do this differently like how do you feel it went yeah so i'll i'll, I'll say this right away because it just needs to be said um i think about a total of six to eight people walked out like during the <laughs> the middle of the, it's the real middle, life. Uh, so it was during the five weeks, right? During the five services, I think a total of eight people walked. So the, uh, you yeah. know, five weeks, that's 10 services. So in 10 services, a total of eight people mm. uh, walked out. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that, that yeah. never feels good. Doesn't feel good. No, no, <laughs> right? I've had that. It's not fun. Nope. It's, it's like, oh, well, maybe they had to go to the restroom. No, <laughs> dude, they left the church. They left the building, bro. <laughs> Get over it. Right. So like that did happen. Uh, so I just want to call that out. But you know what? Honestly, like, mm, like, honestly, I want to say that was the worst. Huh. Like I, I think I was so prepared for the onslaught of emails, yeah. right? Because I'll get those emails even just preaching Galatians. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, so like John 3.16, I'll still get those. So like, I think I was like, so like, you know, got my armor on and got like all my, and like, I think I was so prepared for that. Um, that like, yeah, I think maybe over the course of five weeks, like maybe like, maybe like a small handful of disparaging emails came in. Like, I can't believe blah, blah, blah. But I have to say, Steve, like the overwhelming majority, like greater than 95% mm. from both the overchurched and the unchurched was just, I think, just overwhelming, like thanks Huh. Right? Wow. Like, like, thank you so much. Either I feel seen, I feel heard, I feel loved, I feel embraced, or my gosh, thank you. So I'm actually having a real conversation with my college kid for the first time. Wow. You know, Pastor Tom, um, me and, and, and a lot of parents, a lot of parents with older kids and some, some of them younger, um, I've never been able to talk with my child about the Bible, about anything. But when it comes to this topic, they came to me or I felt better prepared. And so like, that was a huge uh, praise. That was a huge Thanksgiving from a lot of parents. Uh, And there were other parents who had uh, children, as you might imagine. I mean, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're a fairly uh, big sized church. Uh, We have a number uh, of of folks from all over the place, uh, li- like I've mentioned, and um, yeah, we had we had a, a number. I, I think of right now a number of parents that came up to me and said, you know, they their child uh, they know struggles with gender dysphoria. Uh, they struggle. They or or their all their friends are LGBTQ, and they're just wondering, like, uh, you know, like what's going on? How do I handle that sort of thing? And um, this was a tremendous, 
um, salve for them, I think. Oh. Uh, and, and, and what it does is it's not a one hit wonder, right? Like it doesn't go away after the series, <laughs> you know, it's like, no, it, what it did is it opened up more dialogue, more conversations, deeper relationship. Um, and so, you know, a year later or a year plus later and we're in Galatians and they have no problems that now, now we know right now, now it's all it, we, we've, we've had that conversation has been put on the table and so now we can pick it up anytime. Uh, and, and we can talk about progress or regress, right? Cause that happens too in life. Um, and so, gosh, it has been a tremendously positive, um, uh, blessing. You asked the second part, though, that I think is really important. What did it cost me? Uh, I, I just want to be completely real here. It cost me a lot more than I thought. Hmm. Oh, okay. uh, because I think maybe like um, maybe like a lot of pastors, um, I'm like this closet, like adrenaline junkie, right? So like, um, so like, you know, during COVID, it's like, I want to like, so our, our church, we had to physically, we're in downtown Los Angeles, right? So like, we are one of the examples of the longest, like, um, periods of closing your doors, right? Like some, like, I don't like, I used to live in Dallas. I have a lot of friends in Dallas. Like, like, like I don't think COVID even existed in Dallas. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, I love you friends. But, yeah. But anyway, yeah. You know, right. So like, so right. there's that extreme right. and we were the other extreme. Right. And like, we just weren't allowed right. uh, in many cases to open our doors. So anyways, uh, be that as it may, you know, uh, 18 months, uh, uh, we didn't open our doors. And but in the beginning of COVID, um, I want to say, like, I actually this was exciting. This is weird. This is there's probably something broken. And uh, there's a lot broken in me. But like, <laughs> uh, this is probably one example. Like, I loved it. Like, I, I, I was excited. I was Oh, this is new. This is different. I didn't learn this in seminary. Oh my gosh, this is the most disruptive thing since World War II. It's even more. Oh, look at us. We we have been called for such a time as the yes, Lord. Like okay. <laughs> it's like <laughs> by the 18th month, or even like, you know, the let's talk about the 20th month when we're now starting to regather and, mm. and open things up and people are skittish about going to church. And now we're doing this hybrid thing. It's like once we were all, you know, live. A hundred percent, and then we were all online, a hundred percent, and now we're doing this uh, something in between here. Like, what's that? And all that to say, like that ex experience of COVID, like, took a toll on me, right? Right. This experience with Gospel and Sexuality series, this five week series, and all the build up for it, and it was exciting, and it was new, and it's like, okay, let's be courageous, let's be strong, we're gonna take new ground. Like, all that's really exciting, man. And then. You add the positive stuff that I just talked about after that, like that's still exciting. Like you're you're riding on those, you know, good waves mm. for quite a bit. But dude, I I'm just coming off of my three month sabbatical, uh, <laughs> so like if that says anything, mm. uh, yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm probably two months off of my three month sabbatical. It's the first time um, in in my adult life where I've ever taken more than a week off. Uh, like literally like my honeymoon was seven days. My move from New Jersey to California was seven days. Like I've never in my adult life taken more than seven days off mm. except for this sabbatical mm. where the church actually was to the credit of my elders really 
um, and, and, and my lead team, um, you know, at one point in early 2023, uh, this year, um, you know, I think we all kind of were all waving a flag, like nothing, nothing bad had happened. Right. So like, just wanted yeah. to dispel that there's nothing immoral, right, nothing right. like, but it's just like, Hey, I, I think I'm running on fumes here. I need mm. a break. I need to tap yeah. out for a second, you know? Yeah. Um, and I say all that to say, what was the cost to me? I, I think it was more than I realized in the moment in the lead up to it and yeah. the uh, the immediate weeks after, I think I think later on, you know, and it's not just that series, but it was oh, let's let's also throw in we did a vote for Jesus series uh, during uh, election Gosh. month. Uh, we pastors. did a uh, racial reconciliation series uh, okay. called Change during the height of George Floyd. Uh, you know when people were literally in the streets of LA, like you know. Uh, looting and rioting and whatnot, protesting, um, and you know the whole COVID thing. So, like, I think it was a lot of those things kind of added up later on. Um, but yeah, it, this this was a significant portion for sure. Mm. And just you know, as a pastor, right? Like bearing the burdens. Like when you hear these stories, gosh, like I'm tearing up. When you hear these stories, especially from parents, that it just really, it, it just really tore me up, you know, mm -hmm. because like, I, I, I don't have this struggle with my girls um, or maybe like they don't have this struggle, but like we've got our own set of struggles. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> I've got my own stuff, yeah. you know, and it's hard. And when you're in a place of fear and you feel like you can't even, you know, my struggles maybe are more acceptable yeah. uh, to the church, like workaholism. It's more acceptable or fear of others, you know, people pleasing. That That's like a more acceptable yeah. uh, a, a, a sin, if you want to call it, <laughs> temptation, if you want to call it, um, brokenness. Um, and... I don't know. That's just not fair. Right. And mm. so it just, it really tore me up to, to see parents, to see students, uh, to see young adults, um, carrying these burdens and struggles for the way that they were for so long. And that just wears you down, you know, mm. after a while. Yeah. So if, if you can imagine a, a pastor who is, who is listening to this, who's, who's hearing, um, some of the importance, but they're just downright afraid, um, what would you say to them about the importance of this conversation, why they need to have it from the pulpit, and then if possible, offer some some type of encouragement? Yeah. Matt, I would say to that person first, um, that pastor, we're talking specifically about a pastor, yes. right? Mm -hmm. I don't know if this makes sense, but I would first say to that pastor, you need to find someone that struggles with this. Mm. Like if you don't struggle with it yourself, if you've not gone through the walk yourself, like you need to find someone that struggles with this first before you say anything from the pulpit and just buy them lunch, take them out to coffee, hear some of their struggles because like propositionally, theologically, cerebrally, like you probably know where you want to go with this thing 
But the reason why you probably haven't gone there is like there's a heart disconnect. And whether you realize it or not, it's there. And and the thing that's going to help you most efficiently and quickly to get that connection between the head and heart is sitting across the table from someone, looking them in the eyes and hearing their story. Uh, that that it, this kind of goes back to another question that was asked previously about like what was the prep work that I mm-hmm. that I that I did. Here's here's something that I would totally suggest uh, for all pastors: not only um, take yourself out of the uh, framework of monologue and and switch to dialogue, at least for this one, and 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 make yourself available for, for some Q and As, et cetera, et cetera. But here's what you need to do: you, you know that person I was talking about, like find that person in your congregation that does struggle with this because they're there. They, they, that person is there. Okay. Um, that's one thing that we did. I, I was just like, I am not going to do this series. Um, number one, just like me preaching monologue, uh, we're going to invite guest speakers, but who in our congregation has carried their cross through this, right? So we have a number of people that have carried their cross through this. Can I talk to that person? And would that person be willing to share? So there's this guy. He's not going to mind me calling him out. Aaron Ashby. Aaron Ashby is this beautiful, beautiful soul. Great guy. He volunteers. He leads small groups. Uh, African-American. Uh, married. Uh, re- recently married. They met at a, a New Story small group. Uh, whole love story. All that stuff. Uh, but he is same-sex. He, he, he has struggled with same-sex attraction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... That is something that he, I mean, he has had to wrestle for that for, for so much of his life. Mm. And hearing his story and how he had to submit that to the cross, mm. die to himself, mm. carry his cross daily, and how that led to the marriage to his wife. And, and just that whole journey, I was like, bro, like, thank you for sharing that with me. Would you be willing to actually share that with the congregation? And he, I mean, that's a, you talk about courageous. I'm not courageous. He's courageous. He's courageous. Because <laughs> you know what? At that time, very few people in our church knew. Wow. Aaron? Like literally, like when we when we when he shared his 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 testimony, people were like, What? I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Like I know Hollywood's down the street. Are you guys making this up? What's going on here? You know what I mean? <laughs> and uh and, and that, dude, do you think anyone remembered anything I said <laughs> in that message? No, of course not, right? They remembered Aaron Ashby's testimony Yeah, uh, from a guy who literally had to carry his car. So, like, you need to find that person. So that's what I would say to that pastor. You need to find those people, have those conversations, because otherwise you don't have those conversations and you just go from what's here. It's going to be so – it's going to – it's going to just come across so wooden. Mm-hmm. It's it's just like, that's not going to advance anyone closer to Christ. That's not going to advance the conversation. That's not going to deepen any relationships. Mm. Goodness. Tom, thank you so much. Can I link to your sermon series in the oh, yeah. show notes? Okay. Yeah. So if anyone's yeah, watching, absolutely. it wants I- to watch it. Yeah, uh, that was another thing. Uh, like, like remembering all this stuff right yeah. now. Like, wh- what do we do in terms of preparation and even preparing our people? Once that we created a special page for 
that series, yep. like during the series with all the resources, of, like all these books and videos. Okay. And, you know, you, you mentioned the, um, the, the the Center for Faith, Sexuality and Gender. Like yep. that was one of the resources that yep. we put there. Greg Coles was one of our speakers. Mm. Preston Sprinkles, all like his books and stuff like that. So like all that stuff was there. Yep. And um, that that was before the series, during the series, and it remains there. So I'll send you that link Perfect. That, that shoots you directly to that uh, to that page for sure. Well, awesome. Well, I will link that too for our listeners. And Tom, thank you again for joining us today. This was so uh, life-giving and informative. Thank you, guys. Thank you. It was uh, uh, truly a, a pleasure and privilege. Okay. Well, I feel more sanctified based on that conversation <laughs> and equipped. Uh, guys, what stood out to you? I, I think, I mean, aside from salt rifles, <laughs> um, the thing that just stood out for me was the last kind of thing that he had said just to 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 find that person um not as mm-hmm. the the token gay person that you can use to conceptualize your sermon but in order to actually create that that connection of of care and and to connect the heart with the the concept of you know the the theology and all that behind the sermon mm-hmm. so that's it yeah. steve uh, so much. I mean, I really appreciated uh, the quote he had toward the beginning yeah. about how the church ought to be the safest place to have these difficult conversations and um, to just hear somebody who's trying to move in that direction um, was encouraging. And the dialogue versus, you know, a monologue. Um, I just really appreciated that. I'm loving that you guys are hearing these conversations I've had in different forms, but like, I'm sure you can notice the difference between the pastor from the South to the pastor on the West coast. Uh, So you guys, thank you so much for joining us today and learning along with us, these different ways to contextualize this same good gospel message that is through the human sexuality pathway. Uh, So thanks for joining us today, but we do have a question of the week before we close up. We can fight about this one too, but hopefully a little less intensely because it's not chores. What is the best pen and color of pen? We'll uh, answer that. We'll give you the right answer next time after you guys give us your... No, just kidding. But I'm excited to hear from you guys. But that's it. If you guys would take a minute to rate and review, that helps others find us. Thank you so much to our courageous pastor, Tom Kang. Thank you to the Zach of all trades and his intern, Delaney. And for all of us here at the Hole in My Heart podcast, we'll see you next time.